This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 423. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, brought to you by ConcealedCarry.com. A little bit different, different intro there, huh? <laughs> I'm your host, Riley Bowman, and I'm joined by our producer extraordinaire, Matthew Marister. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm great. <laughs> Slick back hair, gray beard. Yep, I'm all, <laughs> I'm all cleaned up pretty much. This is as clean as I'm, I'm getting for today. He's so distinguished. <laughs> It's and the gray. It's the gray. It's the gray. You know, if we, if we if we dressed you up a little bit nicer, you know, in like a nice suit, you know, sport coat and stuff, button shirt, you probably could be the new Dos Equis uh, commercial <laughs> guy. <laughs> I'd be presentable at that point, right? He's the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> yeah, see, I have to have something, right? So at least for now, this will be my my something, my you know. <laughs> Welcome to today's episode, this being our news and gear reviews episode, where we bring to you industry news uh, from the last, uh, well, the last month. We do this episode once a month. Got a bunch of uh, industry news stories to share with you, plus two product reviews. I've got my pick today. Actually, I'll I'll spill the beans now. And actually, Matthew and I had a little bit of an arm wrestling match before we <laughs> kicked off the episode today, because uh, the, the stinker, he decided to... To, to try to preempt <laughs> me here. And uh, so uh, I, I was planning on reviewing the Filster Pro Series holster, uh, right. which I, I'm a big fan of. And uh, But I'll give you my, my full review with it. Well, full, I, I suppose, relative. I've had this for, oh, like two weeks or something and been wearing it. And uh, Matthew's going to share with us about the new Pro Series Talon Grips. Yes. So, so we're both going to talk about products that have the name pro or pro series in them so it'll be fun very cool yep uh today's episode brought to you by ammo supply warehouse ammo supply warehouse.com is my choice where for where i buy my ammunition needs uh ammo can be hard to find these days although i get oh well maybe not daily but i get regular email updates from ammo supply warehouse.com saying we've got this in stock we've got that in stock so they have stuff in stock uh if you get on their email list you, you make sure you get those notifications when things come in and jump on over to amosplaywarehouse.com use your guardian nation discount code if you're a guardian nation member and save even more but you're already going to save plenty as just a regular old customer on amosplaywarehouse.com check them out today also, want to bring to your attention the Concealed Carry Gun Tools app. This is a special mobile app that we've had for a couple of years now, and we're constantly trying to you know make it better, improve it, and update it. It, it works very reliably these days, which is which is awesome. Uh, I was going to try to pull it up here real quick. I wanted to feature and show you. I know that those of you listening to the recorded uh, audio podcast show are not going to be able to see this, but one thing that maybe people forget about is you can go to the maps portion of the app and you can go to the actual so it's kind of weird right so you have basically two menu type functions on the app right there's the main one across the bottom where you have news feed shop maps and training and when you go to maps then you have multiple options across the top reciprocity maps and laws so when you go to maps and maps 
cool thing about this feature is that you can locate near you gun ranges, gun stores, gunsmiths, training schools, uh, also anti-gun, like no gun or gun-free zones. Those are also listed. In fact, you see some, I'm, I'm zoomed into downtown Denver area here and now all of a sudden you see all these gun-free zones pop up. <laughs> uh, so anyway, concealedcarry.com, our, our mobile app, the gun, the concealed carry gun tools app is actually the official name of it in the app store. If you check the Apple app store or Google play store, just search concealed carry gun tools app and use the business directory to find your next, whether it's a gun range, a gun store or whatever it is that you're looking for, or making sure you stay away from those gun free zones. And a short link to the app, if you just want to make it really easy, go to concealedcarry.com forward slash mobile app. And that should automatically, I think, open. It's supposed to automatically open the app when whatever platform it is that you run uh, as far as being able to download it and access it. Well, Matthew, let's jump into industry news. Let's do it. First up. Elmer Fudd defined new hunting tool as hypocritical HBO bans guns. Tell, tell us about this one. Yeah, so HBO, known for their um, very moral, uh, upstanding, you know, programming lineup, um, has decided to um, uh, change, I guess, Elmer Fudd around from the gun-toting kind of like, you know, hunter dude that's the adversary of uh, of uh Bugs Bunny into a more non-gun toting adversary. But the funny thing is, is they didn't take away like all his weapons. They just took away the gun and gave him like other weapons. Like, so, you know, he still can put like bombs and blow each other up and burn each other and drop anvils and stuff on each other's head. That's all cool. But (laughs) the gun is kind of like, you know, the shotgun's a little bit too over the top, I think for, you know, for HBO, because they are, they, you know, they are very high, high bar uh, on their moral content that they, they put out. So, so blunt force trauma to the head <laughs> and explosives are a okay, but uh, a bolt action rifle is not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of uh, kind of weird. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, on one hand, I, I understand if your thing is like we don't want to show violence. I get it, but like it's it definitely seems like it's specific type of violence that is okay, right? But like. Across the board, they allow, you know, I, I don't know, I'm I'm kind of being facetious when I say they have a high bar standard for their their content because there's a lot of content on there that's much, probably much more damaging for for children than, you know, a Bugs Bunny sure. cartoon with, with uh, you know, this kind of do little hunter do this going around. He's kind of like a dopey kind of guy, right? So, I don't know. That's just my opinion, but... Uh, you know, I don't own a network, so I don't have that kind of weight to pull around. It's interesting to me that a company like HBO is getting into children's programming anyway. I don't know. Yeah. It's just kind of a weird thing to me. So, you know, bringing back Looney Tunes. Um, and here's a quote, right, from from the producers at Warner Brothers saying, we're not doing guns, but we can't do cartoony violence. TNT, the Acme stuff. Whatever the heck that means. Okay. <laughs> Double standards galore. Uh, no surprise here at HBO and elsewhere in in mainstream media, frankly. Uh, and that's just this just a more evidence of 
pervasive political correctness because, and that's exactly what this is because the guns have a negative connotation with the current climate of things uh, in our media, but the other stuff's not a problem. So whatever. All right. Weird. Next up, MLN.com. Gray Guns releases enhanced leverage system for P-Series DASA pistols. I'm excited to talk about this one because I don't know if, if that many people actually know this uh, yet. I've been kind of quiet about it, but I am actually now a, a officially sponsored Gray Guns shooter. Uh, co- competition shooter, obviously. Uh, you know, Those of you that listen for a long time know that about me, and uh, I was really honored and privileged to be invited to the Gray Guns shooting team uh, earlier this year. And um, I've been running some of their products for a couple of years now. And uh, in fact, right now I've got two guns away at Grey Guns Central getting the Grey Guns treatment uh, mm-hmm. done to them. Uh, so my my primary competition gun is getting completely worked over by them. I'm really excited about that. And I also sent them a second gun that I will tell you what that is in just a moment after I talk about this story. Because that's also a little bit of news. Uh, so the uh, enhanced leverage system for P-Series pistols, uh, yeah, I'll tell you what, I've, I've tried these enhanced leverage uh, triggers. just had my, my hands on these a couple months ago at SHOT Show uh, at the Grey Guns booth that they had set up at the uh, Six Hour Media event. And Bruce Gray and his team at Grey Guns, Bruce, Keith, and Jordan, they are wizards mm-hmm. with, uh, with the guns. And uh, they, they know what they're doing. You know, Bruce has over 50 or over 40 years. I, was gonna, I think it's like probably about 45 years. Bruce has been doing gunsmithing work and upgrading and, and all that stuff uh, for a long, long time. And I, the one thing I know, and that I also appreciate about gray guns is that not only will they make your triggers and stuff like that better, but they do it in a way that ensures that all the safety functions and features of the gun are kept in place. So you'll you'll see sometimes competition shooters in particular that they and, and also for, from a few companies out there that market certain products geared again primarily to the competition side of the market uh, where you know they're always in the search of a better, smoother, lighter, crisper, shorter trigger uh, that there's sometimes some compromises that have to be made to accomplish that as it relates to the inherent built-in safety features of the pistol. Grey Guns specializes in doing all of those trigger enhancements, but not compromising safety. And that's a really big deal to me. It's also why I'm proud to be, uh, to represent them on the uh, Grey Guns uh, shooting team. So the enhanced leverage system, I'll tell you what, uh, it's also, it's, it's available, by the way, in either a straight or a hybrid shaped uh, trigger. And it just it enhances the leverage of the trigger. So what does that mean? Lighter, smoother, more controllable, better uh, feedback in terms of what you feel in the trigger. Uh, so they, they have officially launched and released the enhanced leverage system on their website. Now, for those that are, may be not familiar, not totally familiar with gray guns, they primarily specialize in Sig Sauer pistols. They do some some work on HK pistols as well. Uh, so if you're not in one of those categories, all right, you can just ignore everything we just talked about. <laughs> but if you got a Sig pistol or an HK pistol, uh, chances are they make something for you, and you're going to really like it if you try it. 
I know. Now the other, so the, the other secret that I have off in a way to uh, gray guns is they are putting their new trigger upgraded trigger into my old SP 2022 nine uh, millimeter. That's a actually a pretty popular little inexpensive DASA SIG pistol. I've had my SP 2022 or sometimes called the SIG Pro for a number of years now. It was actually my first like true duty pistol. I, I carried it on duty uh, when I was uh, actively working in law enforcement. And I really liked that little SIG Pro pistol, but it, it's not the greatest as far as that, you know, long, stiff double action trigger pull. And what Grey Guns does really well at is taking that 12, 13, 14 pound double action trigger pull and brings it down to like eight or nine, which is significant. Okay. And it's smooth all the way through, which that, you know, a smooth trigger like that on double action is, is very manageable because what you should be using as a technique when you're drawing and firing that, fir- that first shot and you get that double action trigger press is you want a nice smooth controlled rolling trigger press all the way through no 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 hitchiness no hanging up no trying to stage it you draw and you get on that trigger and you just roll through it all the way back and then the uh that sig pro trigger has a much improved and much shorter reset on it which resets not the the biggest factor in the world to me as, as a pistol shooter as, as regards uh, to triggers, but uh, you know, a, a shorter reset, frankly, just means you can, you can kind of, I think you can run that trigger a little bit faster. Uh, and, and, and that's, that's cool. I like it, but it's, but it's lighter too. So really excited to see these new products coming from gray guns. Uh, my competition pistols getting their competition, uh, their hybrid competition trigger kit in it. And they're going to do some some other things on on the gun as well. So really excited to see what it comes back as. Yeah, uh, I, I would just add also you you mentioned about their safety, you know, uh, uh, keeping the safety and and all that in in their aftermarket products. But they also like on here, um, uh, Bruce actually says. Um, he the ELS utilizes our advanced trigger geometry and exclusive trigger bar design to reduce DA pool by 25% with duty springs without affecting ignition reliability or safety. So the safety part, huge reliability part. If you're going to put this on, you know, a, a you know a, any right. sort of duty or 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 uh, EDC, when you start changing that kind of all the internal mechanisms and stuff, you know, that sometimes you get like primer strikes or whatever it might be. And, and so it's, it's, it's really shows their level of like understanding how the gun works and the, and everything about it. So really cool. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's also a very valid point because again, oftentimes in the search of a lighter, better trigger pull, you not only the safety compromises, but you end up lightening some of those little springs that might result in, in a, not as robust hammer or striker hitting the primer of the bullet. So Mm. good point. Thank you for bringing that up. Sure. Sure. Meanwhile, uh, and kind of sticking to the uh, six hour theme for right now, we head on over to Germany where six hour has made the unfortunate decision to close its German based operations uh, later this year. Now, Germany has been, doing everything in their power, frankly, to make life and business more difficult for gun manufacturers in Germany. Uh, just ask Heckler and Koch. 
H and K. Uh, they are also struggling and dealing with some some very onerous and strict regulations uh, with with uh, th- their home state. I mean, H K. Uh, that is uh, Germany is their home. Not this, I mean, Sig Sauer is born of a uh, German and Swiss. Uh, you know, two two German and Swiss entities that came together to form Sig and Sauer. Uh, and, and so, you know, it's not, SIG is not necessarily a German company like HK is, but you talk to HK. I mean, like they were born and bred in Germany and you look at how difficult Germany is making business for them. I'll tell you this much. SIG Sauer saw writing on the wall way back in the day when they not only opened their U.S.-based operations. I mean, HK has U.S.-based operations too, Right. But they started substantially moving a lot of production over to the United States. Uh, and and that has proven to be a big, big, big idea. I mean, very it's paying off big time for SIG. They, SIG is who they are, and they're as big as they are, and as profitable as they are, and now representing our nation's military in the form of the M17 and M18 pistols, and also going after the new, uh, the next generation squad uh, uh, automatic weapon, mm-hmm. and doing very well with that as well. So, SIG is killing it because I think they said, you know what, as much as we'd like to stay true to our roots over here in Europe. We need to get into that American market, and I think HK is is playing hard to catch up. Uh, and uh, but yeah, anyway, the unfortunate thing here is that now some of this, you know, Sig may have brought upon themselves. Uh, to be fair, uh, Sig got caught because there was a regulation in place where the German government prohibited the German-based Sig Sauer company from exporting its arms to certain countries, including like Mexico and, and uh, maybe it was Argentina or I think it was Argentina or something. Anyway. uh, So what Sig did is basically sent the guns to Sig Sauer America (laughs) and then Sig Sauer America was like, here you go. uh, And fulfilled some of those contracts. Uh, They got caught. And got in big, 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 big hot water with regards to that. And, and uh, you know, that's, hey, you know, you play a, a game like that and you get caught. That's that you got to you got to you got to pay the price. Right. Which they've done. They were fined heavily. Um, and uh, so it is what it is. And it probably didn't help their relations with German government. So uh, no surprise to see. Um, unfortunately, things probably come to an end here in Germany. Um. Yeah. Speaking of gray guns, by the way, I don't know if it's still available, but uh, I just recently Bruce Gray was trying to sell on his website. Of course, you'd have to go through an FFL transfer for it, but he had a Swiss made, so made in the Swiss based plant. Hmm. Uh, uh, a uh, crap, having a brain fart. Uh. uh Oh no! The <laughs> P shoot. Now I'm feeling like a doofus. It's just one of those things. You're on air and like Sorry, I can't camera, you. <laughs> and your brain goes blank. Like it's a thing. It's a thing. Look it up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to come back to that, Matthew. Tell us about uh, the uh, situation in at this George Floyd protest in Lubbock, 
Texas. Yeah. I, and I, you know, I hadn't seen, I don't know if you did or any of the listeners and or viewers or uh, happen to see the video, but apparently uh, at one of these protests, um, somebody shows up, uh, they have a bandana covering their mouth, right? Um, uh, not, not out of the ordinary because everybody, some people are COVID things still going on some people. So, uh, but that's not the, the, the weird thing. The weird thing is, is he, he has a AR 15 and he's got it like at the low ready. And, uh, supposedly, you know, it has, a, it has a magazine inserted. Don't know if it's, it was loaded. I think that in the, in the article, it says it's loaded, but, uh, and this dude shows up and there's a group of people around and he shows up and apparently, um, the police go and confront him. Uh, they, you know, they, they, um, basically, uh, you know, hold him at gunpoint. Uh, he decides, Hey, I don't want to get shot. I didn't, you know, I thought I was going to be the only person out here with a gun and I'd be cool, but this isn't what I signed up for. So he puts the gun down and then a citizen, it looks like some citizen just runs over, grabs him. They go to the ground, they're fighting the cop. It looks like he's trying to take custody of the guy. He gets injured. The group starts to, you know, all grab the gun to try to the, 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 the rifle uh, that this guy threw on the ground to try to like secure it. But the cops are like, Hey, like leave it alone. Cause it doesn't look like they know what they're doing anyways. Um, so, you know, initially if you saw the video, you probably thought that this was somebody that came there to shoot up, you know, the, the, the protesters or something. Um, but he's actually there uh, apparently to uh, kill or off uh, racists and MAGA people. And so the guy, yeah, they take this 25 year old Emmanuel, we won't say his last name uh, into custody. And when they go through his Facebook page, Facebook page, obviously, like, the, you know, you do to try to figure out, hey, what's this guy's ideology? Was it uh, he, he he wanted to, uh, uh, you know, there's some explicit stuff about Trump, how he hates Trump and he wants to he wants to kill, you know, um, people of, you know, uh, lighter skin than him, I guess. I, I don't really know uh, if he's a racist intent or whatever it was, but he had obviously um, some twisted ideologies thank God that he decided that he didn't want to get shot that day because um, it could have been bad. And for, for, for a lot of people, because I mean, there, you know, I, I think we kind of believe or think that there's a lot of um, there are, there are a lot of antagonists at these protests, of, of course, but not everybody there is, uh, is a bad person. And it would be horrific if somebody showed up and just started shooting. And, and, and so, um, yeah. So thank God this all, you know, ended peacefully and this guy's in custody. And, uh, but I didn't hear anything. And I thought it was kind of crazy. A dude shows up with a rifle, wants to kill people. And yeah. He's taken into custody. Nothing, nobody dies well, or anything. It, the irony is, is you have a protest that is basically against police, but then it takes police showing up to basically save them. Yeah. And, and and the last ironic thing in the video is if you watch the video as the cops or as the police officers, like trying to take this dude into custody, you hear people in the, around the crowd chanting hands up, don't shoot. And it's like, 
<laughs> like, wait a second, time out, dude. This guy wanted to shoot people. The cops are there, <laughs> point the gun at him. He decides, okay, I'm not going to shoot. They t- they're trying to take him into custody. And then as he's take- being taken in, you know, like they're saying, hands up, don't shoot. Like, like it, it, it was just, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of a microchasm of like, the irony of this whole, you know, uh, of, of a lot of the sentiment that people just start yelling stuff without understanding what they're, what the situation yep. is. So I'm not saying every situation, but this situation yep. specifically. Masked gun toting hot shot. <laughs> yeah. So you had a crazy dude that showed up at a rally with a rifle and, uh, yeah, he wanted to kill racists and MAGA people, MAGA. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Again, I just come back to just the the irony of of the whole the whole thing. I mean, it's ironic. It is a, a leftist kind of you know supporting, which is a little bit unusual, right? Uh, again, I love my gun toting, gun loving, Second Amendment supporting leftist friends. Okay, for the record, love you all. Right. It's just it's a little bit more unusual to have somebody in that uh, realm of politics. And political beliefs uh toting an AR fifteen around. So I'm glad this one's resolved peacefully. This could have uh you know gone sideways really quick. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm glad that police could get there quickly and also uh assist in resolving that situation. And again, it's just so ironic that we're protesting protesting against the police and saying stuff like defund the police, but it's because the police are funded that they could show up and be there to actually stop this. Now of course, we're real big at concealedcarry.com and the Concealed Carry podcast about the individuals being armed and able to defend themselves. And it's unfortunate that people couldn't. I mean, obviously, a guy kind of stepped in, as you said, and took took control of the situation a little bit. One of the civilian, uh, uh, you know, occupants or you know, p- uh, p- participants of the uh, of the rally or protest. But uh, anyway, you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, the P10, P10, that's the pistol I was trying to think of. Uh, yeah. Bruce Gray has, and I'm just going to give the link. I'm not going to put it in the links or in the show notes because it, it is a link directly to a, to a gun website selling it, selling a gun. Now, of course you've got to go through the legal channels and everything, but Facebook and YouTube are very sensitive about this sort of thing about links going to sites that sell guns and they don't understand how that crap works, but whatever. Uh, but Bruce has recently launched what he calls his Bruce's Garage Sale. And if you just go to grayguns.com forward slash garage dash sale, you'll land on a page where you can uh, maybe be the lucky owner of a like basically new um, Swiss made SIG P210-6. Beautiful pistol. Very, very. I mean, this is... This is a once in a lifetime sort of you know thing that to find a gun in this kind of condition, uh, made in Switzerland like it is, like a classic Sig Sauer pistol, and the P210s are just amazing pistols to begin with. So, anyway, pretty cool. That's where you can find that. And now on to New Mexico. 150 pistols and rifles swiped from a New Mexico gun store. This happened in Albuquerque. Uh, just a couple days ago. Uh, and uh, actually, it was uh, June 7th is a story. So this was like on Saturday, I think, that this happened. Uh, at 2 something, well, it might have been Sunday morning, early, 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 early. It says 2.45 a.m. JTC Firearms was burglarized where the 
burglars made off with 115 handguns and 35 rifles, including AR-15s, AK-47 style guns, shotguns, and lots of handguns, including guns from Glock, Smith & Wesson, Taurus, Ruger, Colt, Springfield Armory, CZ, and FN, just to name a few. Didn't didn't mention any high points, although they Taurus took the, was included. So. Yeah, they took the Taurus ones? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Non-discriminating. Non, non non-discriminating thieves here um so uh, unfortunately they got broken into and a lot of guns got stolen the atf says they are making this a top priority uh it's actually considered it, it may be the largest theft that's occurred it says uh it says it's considered to be the largest this year from a shop in the southwestern u.s uh, it's also believed that uh, a lot of times when, when these sorts of things happen, particularly in the south, uh, southwestern part of the states, close to that uh, United States-Mexico border, that uh, these may very well end up over the border in Mexico, in which case uh, I don't care so much, but I'm just kidding. Uh, it's not cool. It's not good. And I'm very sorry this gun store has had uh, so much of their inventory upset from this. Uh, having had a couple of local gun shops by that local to my area here, particularly one that I've frequented a number of times and they've been broken into twice. Uh, this is a real thing. You know, this is a real concern. If you are a gun store owner, uh, proprietor, uh, you've really got to up your game security wise, uh, and, and keep this sort of thing from happening. I'd be curious to know how these guys got into the store. The most recent one, we had a gun store here in in Lakewood, Colorado, that uh, it, it was quite a sophisticated attack, by the way. So I, I mentioned this, and I think we may have even talked about it once on the podcast, but I don't recall exactly. But uh, they actually, there was a construction project in the neighborhood near near to that gun store. They managed to break into a large equipment piece, like a bold, not a bulldozer, but like a front end loader or something like that. So they were able to break into that that construction equipment, hotwire it, get it started, drive it down the street, ram it through the front of the store and make off with like half the store's inventory. <laughs> I, I laugh because it's just, it's, it's remarkable to me how like the, the, the lengths people will go to, but that's like the kind of thing you, I mean, you might not be able to, that was a series of unfortunate circumstances, construction zone, construction equipment, that was not properly secured and that gave them the the catalyst to be able to because they had already reinforced some some of the uh, front part of their store before due to a jeep or something being driven into uh the store to, in the in the first burglary and so they're like well we're going to keep cars from being able to ram our our, our storefront <laughs> but we can't stop front end loaders <laughs> yeah. wow. Wow. <clears throat> anyway yeah. And, and like you said, um, well, I, I think it's important to mention this doesn't have anything to do with like the, the, the looting or anything with the, with the, uh, demonstrations or in all that. So this is a separate right. incident. They specifically say it didn't have anything tied, uh, to that. And, um, that yes, they did in, in this one use a high level of sophistication. They cut the power and surveillance systems to the entire store. So like to your yeah. point, these aren't people that are like, Hey, uh, what do you want to do? Oh, let's go break into this gun store and steal some guns. It's like, this is a high level and that's likely why they're, they're going, they assume they'll go across the border because, you know, those organized uh, gangs and stuff like that have, you know, a lot of money, a lot of sophisticated people that help them smuggle guns and get guns. And uh, so this isn't like your average, you know, group trying to 
steal some guns and, and things. Right. So this is kind of a, a bad thing. Well, I believe in the one I referenced here in Colorado, uh, they, they discovered that was part of a, of a, of a ring of criminals, criminal activity where they were hitting. And there was a stretch where we had four or five gun stores broken into in a period of, of, of a few months. Uh, so yeah, very, very organized and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, crazy stuff so you know uh, it, it's just criminals are, are willing to go to great lengths to get guns illegally obviously obtained and obviously they go to a place that advertises it as having guns right, right? Uh, this kind of i'm going to make a weird sort of pivot here but this is exactly why i, I don't like to advertise i mean i don't have anything on my vehicles stickers anything like that saying guns here you know uh whether my my vehicle being targeted or my home being targeted i'm fortunate that most days i'm able to work from home and i'm here and able to protect the premises and the family all at all times but uh it still doesn't mean that it's an excuse for me personally it's just my personal opinion to go put you know nra stickers and Magpul stickers and AR-15 stickers and all this stuff on my on my truck because uh, that just advertises the fact. Hey, guns here! And if you know if they're willing to spend a little effort to obviously a lot of effort in some of these cases to familiarize themselves with the store, figure out what they got to do to make it vulnerable to 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 take advantage of it uh, of its vulnerabilities to get into that store and steal stuff. Well, it's not that far-fetched. If somebody decides they think that you might have enough stuff worth taking, they just, you, you know what? You spend a couple of days watching somebody, learning their habits, learning how they operate. Uh, it's not that far-fetched to, you know, that any one of us could be vulnerable. So I always advise caution with these kind of things as far as letting, you know, who, who are you letting know? Who, who are you letting know that you've got, stuff yeah that criminals want yeah it's funny you brought that up because as uh i mean you know but maybe some of the listeners know as well i just we're in the process of moving and we're kind of in a temporary in in an apartment right now and as we're moving in um i had you know i'm moving some of my firearms and safes and i have a couple long guns and stuff and so um i don't want people to know my neighbors to see me carrying in a bunch of you know, cases and guns and safes. And I mean, they may, if, if I didn't have the gun cases and I just had safes, someone's looking in, watching me move in and say, well, this dude must have something important because he's bringing in a bunch of safes, either it's money, it's, it's, you know, maybe yeah. as, you know, precious metals, whatever it might be. Right. And so always that like operational security type mindset is, and it's not, a, it, I, I really, you know, have to say that it, this is not about being paranoid. It's just about being smart about what information you put out there. And, and I know it can be overboard and some people, you know, they won't even post on Facebook that they own a firearm. They're like, oh, people are, you know, crawling the the Facebook posts and they know I have a post and or a firearm and, yep. and I get it. That's, that's fine. I mean, but um, especially, you know, and obviously a, a, a shop can't not advertise if they have guns. I mean, that's the point, right? So it's kind of like that dangerous or that unfortunate position that they're put in and uh, they're very vulnerable and uh, it's just, you know, a shop is different than your home. So just be, be cautious of what you allow other people to know about what you have inside your home. 
Absolutely. Well, Matthew, uh, there's a story here. You you pulled this one up, and uh, this is pretty cool. Uh, this is from Guns.com. It says, a salute to the greatest generation, a special Colt Iwo Jima collectible 1911-45. Yeah, and so um, this one was actually came out in 1990, but I thought I'd throw it in there because they, they, they brought it out because um, – because of D-Day, we just, mm-hmm. right, we just... Uh, a couple uh, days ago. Yep. And so um, it was kind of a, a salute. But the the pistol, I mean, and, and for me, here's the thing. I, like, I'm a Marine, so, you know, I, I, I'm i really big on Marine Corps tradition and, and stuff. And Iwo Jima is obviously, like, one of those top things. Um, and it's weird because I'm as I'm searching through stories and stuff to, to, to bring in... Um, I I see it and I'm kind of like a totalitarian or, or not total a uh, uh, utilitarian type person not total, <laughs> utilitarian like so for my firearms I really don't have stuff that I would consider collectible or like you know that I uh, not that I don't take care of but th- they're tools to me right but it was kind of cool to see this this gun is kind of it's nothing like you know, one of these super historical, uh, ancient firearms, but it was just kind of cool. Uh, I thought, you know, in, in the, the time that we're in right now, uh, we just, we just, you know, kind of celebrated or, or recognized, um, uh, D-Day and kind of where the country is and, in in our patriotism, some people in certain, they might be feeling sad about the country and the, 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 the future and, and kind of like, Hey, what's happening in our country. And I just thought that this was cool because it kind of, uh, it, it just exemplified, you know, that firearm, the, the 1911, it's, it's, it's like a classic, you know, a fundamental design. It, it, it represents uh, the Marine Corps, Iwo Jima, World War II, uh, us, you know, the country, the good things that the country that w- w- sometimes can get overlooked with the negative, but fighting, you know, uh, Nazi Germany and, and, and Japan and, and the Axis powers. It was just, I don't know, it was just, uh, it was just kind of a, a good thing. I thought it was a good, good kind of uplifting thing to kind of, even though it's not, it didn't come out right now. Um, I, I just thought it would be cool. And the, and the video is kind of cool, uh, showing the, the up close detail yeah. in this gun. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful gun. Uh, what a amazing tribute to, uh, the Marines, you know, on the Island of Iwo Jima and, and all that they did. Um, really cool. Really cool. I, I actually was just browsing as you've been talking through uh, Colt or not Colts, but uh, guns.com's website, as folks may know that they are in the business of selling guns now. And, and they actually have kind of a whole like sort of like a collector's sort of section. They actually have a lot of really interesting collectible type guns. And it's interesting going through their list. I just opened up 1911s and I put in uh, stuff, you know, over or greater than $2,000 in price. And uh, they have a 100th anniversary 1911, three $3,000. They have a four-gun set with like pearl grips and stuff. <laughs> uh, 100th anniversary 1911 special edition, you know, whatever. $35,000. What? <laughs> For four, it's four guns, but still. Uh, there's one here I saw here. Here's a, here's a, a classic, you know, Colt 1911 dated 1916. Mm. Here's one that's dated 1914. I mean, if you were looking for really a, a special piece, you know, something from even World War One era, here's one dated 1915. 
uh, probably the more affordable one is this 1916 one though. I mentioned it's priced at $2,100. That's uh mm. Reasonable compared to some of these others that are quite a bit more. <laughs> right. Then you <laughs> guys really pick cool. these up or gals pick these up. Uh, let us know because yeah, pretty cool. Do a little show and tell. Well, uh, turning now to a site I've never actually been on, jerkingthetrigger.com. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. Uh, but I, I actually came across this article a few days ago and I uh, thought it was uh, noteworthy. Uh, I'm seeing a bit of a resurgence. I mean, not only with like, revolvers and DASA guns, but also with lever action guns. There's, there's some companies putting out some really cool stuff for lever actions. Uh, mm. Magpul, I think has even come out with a, a special handguard uh, for them and, and a few other companies doing some really cool stuff. One of those companies is Eridus Industries. Eridus is known for producing all kinds of really cool stuff, including uh, uh, parts for, for shotguns and, and and things of that nature. Well, they have come up with a new optics mount that works on a Marlin 336 or on like a classic uh, model 1894 lever action. Uh, and so this new mount is called the CROM, C-R-O-M, Co-Witness Ready Optics Mount. What's really cool about this is it allows you to sort of bring your lever action rifle to the modern age and have a red dot mounted to the top of the rifle, but have it still be co-witnessed. You actually still have iron sights on this gun. So that red dot goes down. If the new school goes down, you got to revert to the old school on your old school lever action. Well, you've got that option. You got co-witnessed iron sights together with, and, and, and there's options for, like a aim point T1 or or a Trigicon uh, RMR. I'm sure there'll be some other uh, uh, some other options uh, available soon. And no idea on the pricing of this. It's just l- literally these are there's some images here in this news story. Uh, you can check out, of course, the link if you're curious enough to do so in the show notes of today's episode. Uh, but just some images of these prototypes that they've come up with. I think this is really cool because I- I'm kind of fascinated with the idea of a defensive carbine in the form of a lever action. I've got one chambered in 357 Magnum that I really like, and it's a very capable gun. Uh, in that, you know, it's particularly chambered in something like 357 Magnum. Ten rounds fits in my lever action. Ten rounds of 357 Magnum. That's no joke. And with some training, you can run a lever action really fast. Uh, so, I mean, would I still rather have my AR? Sure. But what I what I guess I'm intrigued about is number one, I still kind of have this this part of me like this kind of cowboy ish side of me. I grew up reading Louis Lamore books and stuff that you know it's it's just fun and I like it. It's also I think practical in that some of you may live in states where due to restrictions might be a little more difficult to have or own uh, something like an AR-15 or even like a, a Mini-14. So uh, maybe setting up a, a lever action rifle, it, you know, to where it's very usable and that you can have a light mounted to it. Uh, you can have uh, a red dot on it, you know, and, and sort of bringing that rifle into the new age. I think it's kind of an interesting concept to explore. And I, I think at some point I will play with the idea of actually either converting my current lever action. Although the model I have is probably not as, uh, there's probably not as much available for it. So I may just go pick up a, 
like a Marlin 336 or something. I used to own a Marlin 336. I, I sh- probably should not have gotten rid of that thing. <laughs> um, so I'm, I may look into this. So it's pretty, pretty cool. I like yeah. the idea of this kind of more modern, uh, uh, you know, M lock compatible rail. So you can mount yeah. whatever accessories you, you want to, to the rifle. It, they've got side saddles here for some, you could put a couple extra uh, shell uh, cartridges uh, on the side there. So if you needed to reload on the go or whatever, like, Really, really cool concept. What do you think, Matthew? Yeah, it's neat. Like, you know, and like you said, I don't, I, I don't have like nostalgic firearms, right? Like, I didn't grow up with firearms, so I don't have that. And, um, but like looking at them, I'm like, yeah, that'd be cool, right? Like, like, and there's something about uh, lever action guns that are different. Just, I mean, obviously the the right, it's 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 a different mechanism, right? But like, there's just something about how you uh, load that and how you, how you, I, I don't know. It's just something really like primitive about the gun, but you put this red dot optic on it and you have a rail adapters and stuff. And it's just like, it's, it's cool and it, it's really cool. And if, yeah. if, if, if bell bottoms are going to come back in style, you know what I mean? Why not a, why not a lever action? So, you know, yep. yep. Yeah. I'm right with you, buddy. And you know, I mean, uh, a rifle chambered in like, uh, you know, the age old, uh, three, you know, 30, 30 cartridge, right. 30, 30 Winchester cartridge. It's a very capable round, especially for a defensive type round. The only thing I, the, the thing I like about my three three fifty seven Magnum is that I get a pretty good balance of power with capacity. Uh, you know, a 30, 30, you might get five or six rounds, depending on the length of the, of the barrel and the magazine stuff. Uh, so anyway, still really cool. All right. Final story here before we get to our reviews. Uh, this one is actually not necessarily an article per se, but uh, it's a new product that's been announced and launched and brought to uh, to the market. It's releasing, it says here, first batch in stock on June 12th, 2020. I am really hoping to get my hands on one of these. What it is is the new Swamp Fox Optics. Sentinel. Go ahead and share my screen here for our viewers. Anyway, uh, this is a this is the same footprint of an optic as the RMSC, the Romeo Zero, and the newly re- announced. It has yet to actually be officially released as well as well. Uh, the uh, Hollow Sun four hundred seven and five hundred seven K series optics. Although I've I've been told. By my contact at Hollow Sun, those are supposed to be shipping like I think this week to dealers and distributors. Uh, we'll see if that actually uh, comes through. I'm, I'm hoping to get my hands on a either a 407 or 507K from Hollow Sun. I've got an RMSC, I've got a Romeo Zero, by the way, finally on its way. It is actually on its way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Really excited about that. Uh, I'm hoping I can get my hands on one of these Sentinels so I can do a comparison between these now four optics options that are kind of of this micro pistol RDS, uh, uh, you know, and and the cool thing is these all fit the same footprint. It's really cool because in the regular size, it's still very, you know, we'll call those the mini, right? MRDS mini red dot sites or optics. Um, you know, there's all kinds of different footprints, RMR and Delta Point Pro and, you know, SIG's got their own and all this stuff, right? Uh, and yet with these micro ones, uh, until 
just recently, there was only the RMSC, yep. right? Until like last year, early last year, you just had the RMSC. Uh, one option, one footprint. And then SIG jumped on on the bandwagon and said, okay, here's the Romeo Zero. It's going to be in the footprint of the RMSC. Then Hallson has done the same. Hallson still looks like it's probably the most uh, robust of these four optics options, but I'm intrigued by this Swamp Fox Sentinel. Some of you probably have not heard of Swamp Fox. Uh, they are kind of a, a new up-and-comer in the optics world. Uh, we get a few more shots here of this new Sentinel optic on uh, mostly SIG P365XLs. Uh, so what this tells us, though, actually down here is it, the Swamp Fox Sentinel will fit, fit the SIG P365XL Springfield Hellcat OSP model, the, the, the Canic Elite SC, that's a subcompact model, the Smith & Wesson Shield 2.0 optics ready, and the Walter PPS M2 optics ready models. I, I believe what it's saying is it'll fit any of those without any modification. I, I will get confirmation on that, but I think that's that's what they're trying to say, which is really cool. Now, I've got the XL. I also have a Hellcat OSP that's uh, uh, that I actually own. I have a regular Hellcat uh, on loan from Springfield that I'm still uh, working my way through and, and testing and evaluating. But I'm looking forward to getting my hands on these optics and checking them out. So pretty exciting to see. And this is just more evidence of how our industry is changing. More and more innovation keeps happening and these optics keep getting smaller. And even with the size, the small size, they, they continue to you know seem like they perform very well. Now, some of these are still very new on these micro red dot sites, but, but the miniature sized ones, the RMR and so forth, those are proving to be very reliable, very robust. Uh, and they're already very small, so pretty cool stuff. Yeah, and Elke asked in the in the uh, notes here in the chat here, uh, where is it made? The Swamp Fox. I don't know, Elke. Uh, I know the company. I I pulled it up. It's it's in Inglewood, Colorado. Yeah, they're based um, here. So I don't know if it's made. You know where they where, where they manufacture them, but the company itself is in Colorado. So. Uh, I am 99% certain uh, talking to some people in the industry that uh, that, that they're made in uh, in China and possibly maybe some of their optics. Because, I mean, these guys have uh, LPVOs, low-power variable optics. They got more traditional rifle scopes and things of that nature. They got a lot of options. They, they're, they're probably just like any other of these, like even like Vortex and stuff, where some of their product lines are made in China, some are made in Japan, some might be, I don't think any of Swamp Foxes are made in the US. I could be wrong on that. Um, so there are some companies that'll, that'll have certain part, parts and components made in China, but then they'll put Japanese glass in them. And Japanese are, they're, they're well known for the high quality glass that they, that they use, uh, that get, they get put in optics all the time uh, from a lot of companies that you guys know, including ones that are, uh, that, that you think are, you know, American companies. Mo you know, there are still some true American optics companies, but even, uh, but anyway, you, you get what I'm getting at. Yep. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I get it. Some people are like, well, uh, you know, like Elke said, says here, blah on the China part. Well, yeah. Um, you know, we've got contacts with, uh, uh, and friends up at lucid optics. Uh, Jason Wilson has been on the podcast, even from lucid and, and a very similar deal there, very similar model, uh, stuff that's designed here in the States, engineered here in the States. Um, but, uh, frankly, there's some companies over in China and in Japan that are really well set up 
and very high quality for what they are um, to, you know, be able to put some of those ideas into production. Um, and, and uh, you know, a lot of that probably wouldn't happen if that sort of option didn't exist. Um, so, you know, hey, we have options. Boo-hoo. Right. <laughs> so anyway, let's go now to our first. Oh, actually, before we get to review, I meant to get to this earlier, uh, but we did have a question come in from a listener. And this is a perfect opportunity to just remind everybody that, hey, if you want to ask a question, in fact, we'll answer questions on air if you guys send them to us. We, we, we get questions sent to us uh, to the podcast at concealedcarry.com email address fairly regularly. A lot of times we'll respond to those just directly. Um, but uh, it's good sometimes to have some questions to answer for all of you on air. And so uh, we recently got a question sent in from a listener and uh, he said he's also based here in Colorado, which is cool. He's, so he's asking specific to his Colorado concealed handgun permit, but he said he, this is his question. I recall during a previous episode of the concealed carry podcast, although he can't remember which episode during which the topic was the federal gun free zones law during the podcast. I seem to remember that the 1000 foot rule was brought up and there was mentioned that there is an exception to the 1000 foot law. I believe that the exception stated that the citizen can carry within a thousand feet of a school, not on the grounds of the school. So long as the citizen has a concealed carry permit from the state that they were currently in. Could you please clarify this? So it's a good question. It's a good opportunity to just kind of remind everybody about this particular thing. So there is a federal law known as the uh, the Gun-Free School Zones Act or something to that effect, or, it was, or that's the part of the law. I can't remember exactly all the details on that. But anyway, that is a law, and it says this, that it defines a school zone as being in or on the grounds of a public parochial or private school or within a distance of a thousand feet from the grounds of a public parochial or private school. So basically what this law, this gun freeze, this gun freeze school zones law does is says you can't be in possession of a firearm within a thousand feet of a school. Unless there's some exceptions. So, some the, the and the exceptions usually ha, are the exceptions how, where they come from is from the state. That's where they come from. Mm. So, for instance, like in Colorado here, basically, you may, if you have a Colorado concealed carry permit, then carry within a thousand feet of the school. In fact, you may even go on the property of the school as long as the firearm remains in the vehicle, and the vehicle is secured if you do not remain in it. In the excuse me, the, the firearm is secured within the vehicle. Uh, if you are, if you do not remain in the vehicle, uh, but for this to be applicable, you have to have a Colorado issued concealed handgun permit. That doesn't mean that I can come into Colorado from Utah, say if I was a Utah resident with a Utah permit, and assume I would have that same protection. So um, it's not an oft-discussed law, the fact that there's actually this gun-free school zone that is defined in federal law is not something that has been, to my knowledge, enforced all that often. 
It doesn't mean that you that it couldn't be enforced, and it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be aware of it. And it's a it's actually one of the few things I think that is that makes still a very strong case for the reason to still have a concealed handgun permit, even if you're in a state with constitutional carry. Because in most, at least the states I'm familiar with that have concealed handgun permits, they will typically have some kind of exception built in that uh, allows you to get around as far as, I mean, keep in mind what this technically means by federal law is let's say I live within a thousand feet of a, of a school zone. Now it doesn't mean I can't have that firearm on my property, but what it could mean is that I can't step out on this, on the sidewalk and go for a stroll down the, down the road. And I'm within a thousand feet of that school. Right, like, like I can't have my gun with me as I do that in a constitutional carry state without a permit. So unless unless the state uh, somehow had some, I don't know. It, it's a very convoluted, confusing, stupid part of the law. Okay, it may not be actually that all that confusing. It it's confusing because it can vary from state to state as far as what the, the different states allow. So. By the way, I think this article that we have on our site actually uh, talks about this. And guys, if you head on over to concealedcarry.com and you go to uh, articles and then you go into core content. So you're right on the, in fact, I'll show you here. I'll share my screen on for those of you that are viewing uh, so you can see this. But if you go to our site and you go to articles and you'll you hover over that and you'll see these various categories come up, but then you see over here on the right of that is core content categories. And you'll see here the laws and you can click on that. And there's all kinds of articles that talk about similar type stuff, including there it is understanding and defining the, the gun free school zones act. And that's where this article is located. So really, really good content guys that is on our site about similar type issues. So just an FYI, you just go to concealedcarry.com, use that, uh, I like that little articles, core content uh, subcategory. Really good place to check that stuff out. It, I just got to jump in real quick. Um, so Dave, I see your message on YouTube. He says, guessing you guys don't look at comments on YouTube much. I can't stand Facebook, all the stuff that's going on in that platform. I'm with you, man. Unfortunately, I my computer doesn't have the capacity to run Facebook, the the program we use for the uh, podcast and YouTube because it, it'll start getting glitchy. And so I have Facebook because most of the people are over there and I can't respond to your, your comments. Um, I can't type respond to YouTube comments. So, yeah, I, I'm sorry, David. We're not ignoring you guys. Uh, I feel I feel for you. I understand the Facebook thing. I just recently deleted it off my phone. So, yep. I, uh, to Dave's point, I mean, we see all the comments, by the way. So our, our program we use for the podcast brings in comments from Facebook and YouTube together. And I see them both in a panel right here on the right. Uh, the thing is, we get tons more Facebook comments than we do YouTube comments. Uh, and I also don't always see everything. Because if I did, then I wouldn't be able to sit here and actually do the podcast because I'd be <laughs> too focused on comments. I, I try to I try to catch them as I can. Uh, but... Uh, so, Dave, thanks for viewing on YouTube. Thanks for being here. We appreciate you and everybody else on Facebook. And to those that don't watch the show and are our podcast-only listeners, we love you too. All right? So, uh, 
And, and that's the best way for you to reach us is what I was just talking about. Send us an email, podcast at concealedcarry.com. Send us your questions, send us your comments, let us know how we can help you or what you want to know about. And we'll do our best to help you. Matthew, give us uh, your your product review. What you got sure. there? Yeah, I'll start it off. So um, since Riley trumped me on the uh, the Pro Series holster, <laughs> uh, no, this is this is not a, uh, a going to be a letdown. So I'm I'm not a, apologetic for the fact that I love Talon Grips, the company, the people that work there. It's a, just a great company. They produce really good products. Um, but you know, obviously, if you, if you're not familiar with Talon Grips, uh, you know they put they're an applicated or application uh, temporary thing that you can put on your your the handgun or your grip, and it gives you some more texture, more uh, you know more gription, so to speak. Um, and so they had a couple um, different textures. They had the granulated, which is like skateboard grip tape or or, or sandpaper, um, and then they had kind of a rubbery. Uh, one that was provided more grip than your standard, you know, grip, um, but not as much as the grip tape. And so I'm a, I love like really aggressive. I carried my EDC with, uh, with the granulated one. And, you know, I I don't, I don't have any calluses on my, on my stomach from, you know, where it rubbed across, but it did, it did get, you know, a, a little bit abrasive, especially in the heat of summer and stuff. But so at SHOT Show, they came out with their Pro Series, which was a combination of both. So it's a granulated feeling texture with uh, kind of a rubbery feel as well. It's not so abrasive in here. I, I don't know if you guys that are watching it on Facebook can see, but uh, there it is. And uh, it just feels incredible. It feels incredible. Um, it is a perfect meld of the 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 grip uh the the aggressiveness of uh the sandpaper granulated type and the rubbery feeling that you know that doesn't so much uh abrade uh, your your skin from carrying it uh, IWB and I'll tell you I mean I mean it just made a huge it's just a, such a big difference if you haven't um put grip, you know, uh, uh, talent grips on your, on your gun or, or there's some other companies that make them talent grips has by far the widest selection of, uh, grips for your gun. I mean, I even got one for my Archon type B, which I mean, some people, most companies don't even have holsters for that gun. So, um, they just, they just have every, every gun that you can think of really good customer service, their cuts where it's cut around the gun, um, or around, you know, the, the mag release and everything. It's, it's just, it's, it's cut really well. Um, it just, it, it, and I guarantee you, if you put this on your gun, you will feel so much, it, it just feels like you have more control of the gun just inherently. So, um, check them out because it's, it's brand new. They just started, uh, I think they just started selling them on their site, not too, uh, pretty recently. So, cause I had been kind of had it on my radar and then I saw it and I was like, Hey, I gotta get this. So yeah, right. that's my, that's my pick. The Talon Grips Pro Series Grip. Cool, man. Thanks yeah. for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of there being kind of a, something in between the sandpaper version and the rubber version. So I think that's that's excellent. Yeah. All right. So on to my pick. My pick and review is the Filster Pro Series holster. Uh, you can see I've got mine here. 
I do have a P320X compact in it, which is clear and unchambered. I'm just going to hold up the holster at this point. So this one that I have, as I mentioned, is, is sized for the P320. They currently have it available for Glocks and P320s. Uh, and by Glocks, I mean like your typical 9mm frame Glock. Uh, as far as like your 17s, 19s, 22, 23s, and so forth. And they have it for, I think, for the Glock 43, 43X, and 48. And then they have it for P320s. And so the Pro Series here, I actually initially ordered it with the monoblock, uh, discrete carry concepts clip. I played with that for a little bit. And just a few days ago, I switched back to my double soft loops, which is how the holster actually will come standard. And even if you order uh, one of the other upgrade clip options, I believe you still get the soft loops. And then you also get that that upgraded clip along with it. Um, I, I get a little bit more adjustability with clips or excuse me with soft loops and so that's kind of why i've decided to go go back to my soft loops uh i i thought the monoblock was really cool uh and it is convenient for sure as far as like being able to take the gun and the holster off easily and put it back on and stuff um i'm pretty well practiced with soft loops so they don't really bother me as far as being that inconvenient to work with but what they give me is a lot greater adjustability uh, and so that's kind of what i've gone back to because that's what i like but uh it's, that's not that's that's actually not about the holster necessarily just that it comes with soft loops which i think is a big bonus and because filster does not do anything cheap or low quality uh the pro series holster is actually an ambidextrous holster so this everything that you see on this holster can be reversed and set up as a lefty that's actually really cool and actually very often poorly executed by other companies that try to do ambidextrous type designs. Why is this a, a strength? Well, one, it's a strength because it, it, it makes it easy on the company producing it. And if it makes it easy for them, then that hopefully means things are a little bit less expensive and also that maybe they can innovate a little bit faster and come out with other models for other guns. Uh, there's always that possibility anyway. Although Filster is not exactly known for supporting a wide array of gun models because uh, they tend to stick to what is the top like three or four most you know popular commonly selling models but anyway um this uh here's the other big thing ambidextrous imagine matthew you you've had some shoulder issues mm-hmm. um but it could be anything like a shoulder injury an elbow uh, a wrist a broken arm uh whatever something could happen to where maybe my right hand is not available anymore for shooting a gun, or at least for a time. I don't have to go buy left-handed holster if I want to continue carrying my gun concealed. I just flip my hardware around and carry it lefty and then put in a bunch of time practicing and dry firing uh, left-handed. So that is actually really cool because it's one holster that can actually solve a variety of problems for me. Also, if I was an instructor and I wanted to have like loaner holsters or something on, on on hand this would be another great option because then i could just easily set it up for a lefty and sometimes i've had students in classes i think between jacob and me we do have a couple of left-handed holsters or holsters that can be set up lefty but not that many options and so so that's another cool thing um but here's the thing it's got this big integrated wedge that by the shape of the contour of that is very comfortable but it provides a wedge so that 
up against your body, this helps tuck the top part of the gun into your body that reduces printing and increases uh, concealability. Then we also have the claw that you see here. This is the mod wing variety of claw, which is great because it's a, it's a quality product. And it's also part of the fact that the whole holster can be flip flopped and reversed and set up as a lefty. This can be reversed as well, which is pretty, pretty clever, but it's a very effective claw. So together with the claw that tucks in the grip, the wedge that helps tuck in the whole body, the holster, into your body or the whole body of the gun into your body. Uh, it's well designed. The retention is good. It's exactly what it needs to be. It's comfortable. I've been wearing this for about two weeks now every day for 14 plus hours a day. And I'm very happy with it. So Filster Pro holster from Filster. Filster is spelled F or F P H L S T E R. In case you're wondering, you can go to filsterholsters.com if you'd like to order one yourself. Yeah. What else I liked about it, and, and I'll show mine right here for the Glock 19, but uh, I like that it it came already pre-cut for an optic. The the sights, I had no issues with having taller sights. The channel was was big. I have a threaded barrel, um, and because the, 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 the mouth or the, uh, the end, the muzzle end of the holster is open and kind of flared, um, I had no issues. And so it just like, I, I don't know, we, we were kind of talking about this Riley beforehand, but like it just, everything uh, is just really smartly designed. It's, it's purposeful. Um, you know, they have different mounting options and in, in, in different ways. So it, I don't know. It just, it's like one of those holsters that you get, you take it out of the, out of the box, a bag it comes in bag, whatever. Um, but, um, and you don't have to tweak it. Like my, my other holsters that I use, I mean, if you look at it, I got stuff like, you know, I, I had to shim this screw to make this kind of tweak out a little bit more. And I did this and, there, you know, just little things, but this, this thing solid right out of the, out, out of the bag. So I was impressed. What that tells me is you like it even more than the one I sent you. No, I do. And, like and it made with love from the bottom <laughs> of my heart. I do just like for you. I'm just teasing. <laughs> you just saw, you just saw Riley's heartbreak on, on video. No, I do like it. I do like it. Well, uh, here's the thing. Here, here's, here's the testament of a great quality, well-designed product. Uh, I started dabbling in making some of my own holsters because, you know, and I've tried a bunch of different ones out there, including some other Filster models. And I, I actually really like the Filster Classic and have a couple of the Filster Classics for some of my guns. Um, but, uh, you know, I decided to make some things that put, you know, incorporate some of the design elements that I liked or that was important to me or that worked better with my body and how my body works and is shaped. The fact that uh, I'm contemplating not wearing my own personally built holster at least anytime soon i'm gonna keep keep running this one for a little while that that's a testament of how much i like this one okay that's a big deal and so that's a that's about the highest recommendation i can give to a holster and a holster manufacturer is to say it makes me want to put the thing i built myself that i really 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 like and have used extensively and is very comfortable and is very functional and is very reliable uh this is a good one. The Filster Pro is a keeper. All right, guys, that brings us to, we're, we were actually over time and, and uh, we try to keep these two no more than an hour, but we're over time. So, oops, sorry about that, Jacob. But uh, it's usually Jacob that yells at us. 
guys got to keep those episode lengths down. <laughs> yeah. Um, but sometimes it is what it is. Uh, actually had more content today to talk about than I thought we would. But here we are, the conclusion of another episode. Thank you, Matthew, for doing this one with me. Yes, sir. Thank you for, for allowing me to. It's always a pleasure. One last shout out to our episode sponsors today, of course, being ammosupplywarehouse.com and the Concealed Carry Gun Tools app. Specifically, check out the business directory feature built within the app. Really, really cool option. Plus, we talked about some gun law stuff and school zone stuff and things like that. And so looking out for those those gun-free zones and, and also using that laws portion of the app as well. It's an, all under that same tab. You go to maps and you can tip, uh, click on reciprocity to get your own reciprocity map. You can click on the maps part of the maps to get the business directory lo- locator. And then you can click on the laws portion or the laws tab and get laws summarized for all of the 50 states all within one simple little easy-to-use interface, Concealed Carry Gun Tools app, concealedcarry.com forward slash mobile app. Thank you guys for your support of everything we do here and for making this show possible. And so we will be back here Thursday with episode 424 of the Concealed Carry podcast. Matthew's going to learn by that time to be careful about not bumping his microphone. You'd think yes. he'd uh, you know, be a little more skilled <laughs> at running the microphone after a bunch of episodes. Uh, sorry, guys. Sorry. <laughs> We try to keep it lighthearted around here. So thanks again, everyone. Take care. A reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.